Do you know what Appalachia is? I didn't either until I got to college, and it seems like I'm learning more every day. I love hearing from experts, professors, writers, creatives, and more who look at the region in hopes of better understanding it. If you want to learn more, check out Understanding Appalachian on all your favorite podcasting platforms. While I certainly don't know everything, we can learn more together through interesting conversations with interesting people from the Appalachian region. My mom would tell stories about, you know, students in the band just putting down their instruments and dancing. And she's like, this was the most fun thing that I think I have ever seen. And I knew, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be in a marching band and that I wanted to play the trombone. I came here uh, to OU in the fall of 2000 for the first time to, to see the marching band in concert at our annual varsity show here on campus. Uh, I knew of the style, but the first time I came and saw the band in the fall of 2000, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I want, I want to be in this band in college. So that was the draw for me to come to high university. I met Mr. Saccarelli, who was the band director there at the time, and we met in the catwalks, and he said, one thing which is very meaningful, he's like a certain kind of kid gravitates to our university. And another certain kind of kid gravitates to this band. I'll never forget that. Just like athletes trying out for collegiate teams, to be in the Marching 110, prospective members have to pass an audition process and be accepted to march with the group. And for the first few decades of the band, that process was high stakes. A National Public Radio Weekend Edition segment from 1988 followed band auditions that year under Dr. Saccarelli. I'm Chris Butts, I play tuba. My name is Mike Cartwright and I play snare. My name is Donnie May and uh, I play tuba. This year, more than 70 freshmen tried out for the Ohio University Marching Band. There are only 110 spots in the band to get in, to be part of the marching block. You need to pass a music audition and a marching audition. Some of the old men, as the upperclassmen are called, whether they are male or female, will be replaced by rookies. It's not just the competition that's tough. The band has a marching style that is physically exhausting. It's a high-stepping, toe-pointing, swaggering kind of march, the legs driven into the ground and what the band members describe as controlled violence. Few colleges use that style anymore. Up until recently, those who wanted to join the band came to campus early, learning the style and step of the 110 before a formal audition, with hopes of standing out enough to fill the limited freshman spots. Once we started marching, you just concentrate on getting your legs up and your calves extended and your style and your swagger, and you let the old men tell you what to do. All I know is the last three-eighths of more time, the only thing you're thinking is push and drive and drive harder so that you look, you have the perfect OU form. Josh Boyer, the assistant director and former 110 member we heard from last episode, experienced the original audition process firsthand. 
And so the audition process in 2003 is very different than 2023. I'll tell you that, mm-hmm. um, you know, back in those days, um, you know, you kind of got a letter uh, in the summer with a packet of some music and, and, and you just prepared to play some music stuff. Um, you didn't really prepare any of the marching stuff before. And you just kind of looked at the music and learned, played a fight song and things like that and some of our standards. And then um, you came onto campus and as a freshman. I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to forget this day. Um, you come in as a, as a freshman member um, and you are met with by upperclassmen. They're there to meet you as you're dropped off. And at, at that time, this is, you know, 20 years ago, you would all move into one dorm room. And, and for us, it was Lincoln Hall. Mm-hmm. And um, your parents would drop you off there. And we had rented, you know, a cargo van from Northwest Ohio to drive down. And it was uh, me and my mom and my grandma and my sister might have been there. I can't remember. She was she's a so junior at Eastern Michigan at the time. So I don't remember if she came or not. But um, my mom and grandma were there and, and they dropped me off and you unload and, and you all load into your, your this temporary dorm. You just have everything's in boxes and you have like one suitcase full of clothes. Everything else is going to storage for three days. Um, and then and then they drop you off and you say your goodbyes, basically. And then for, for a couple of days, it's just you and the upper classmen learning how to do the stuff we do with playing and marching. And and, um, and then at that time. You would go through those two or three days and we'd have auditions. And then following you did the auditions, there would be the, the posting of the block, which is where we post the list. And here, here, who are the 2003 members of Marching 110. And not everybody who was there was going to be in the band. So, uh, there were people that I was with that week that, that didn't make the band that year and I might, and may never have seen again. Um, they were, they were, you know, they were cut and then they were done. And, um, that process has changed a lot since then. Um, and, uh, and when, when the list is posted, um, you get, you know, there's the, uh, there's a pregame block and a halftime block. And, and at that time, 20 years ago, our pregame block was much smaller. It was only 112 members and we had about 100 and probably 50 or 60 in the band. So there was 40 or 50 students that were not pregame. Um, and then halftime was a little bit bigger. So more people were in that, but, um, it's fortunate as a freshman to make the pregame block. And then, you know, and that, that excitement, I remember calling my, my high school band director, you know, it's, it's, the, the tradition was it was posted at 110 in the morning. We'd have auditions in the night and then at 110 in the morning they post a list, right? So you call them at 110 a.m. Hey, I made a lot, you know, crazy excitement and all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, cool, go to sleep, get rested up because you got band tomorrow at 9 a.m., you know? Jessica Siders, a Northern Ohio native, played the trombone in the band from 2002 to 2006 as well and remembers the nerve wracking nature of auditions. And it was really intimidating. I remember from, um, you know, you, you talk about the stereotypes of these band nerds and here were some of the best people from their high schools, um, auditioning for this. And I'm just thinking, how on earth am I even going to make this, um, let alone, you know, survive the audition. So, and I can remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I am dying after this. And if I make this band, I'm going to have to do, you know, like 10 more minutes <laughs> of marching. This is insane. What am I signing up for? And for many students, the audition is their first introduction to the show band marching style, an exhausting transition. Prospective band members learn the high-stepping, twisting, ever-moving style, all while still learning to play new music. I wish that I could explain how sore you are um, because you're using muscles that your body just doesn't use when you walk around or even when you run or do like any kind of physical activity. You are not using the muscles the way your muscles the way that they use them 
um, when you're marching. We were in Lincoln Hall. My roommate was Jeff Hall, who's the band director at Duke now. And I had top bunk. So after the first day, I hopped off the top bunk, landed on my feet, landed on my knees, landed on my face. I was that sore. And just thought, what have I got myself into? <laughs> you know, I thought I was a healthy 18-year-old. Right. Once the band hopefuls auditioned and the results were posted at 1.10 a.m., it was time to get to work preparing for the first performance. However, nowadays auditioning for the band is much less intense. Instead of coming to campus a week early and auditioning in person with a music and marching component, now students complete a virtual audition. Prospective members are sent a packet of music to play and record, sending it remotely to the directors. Boyer explained the changes and how students are now accepted into the band. It was not conducive to the student experience that we were looking for. And so, oh, that's probably about seven or eight years ago. I'm not sure how long ago now that we started a new system. Um, and we went from this, everybody comes onto campus, you audition here, and that's all that matters, to um, we do it all before the end of spring, basically. So we've gone to a completely submission-based audition to get into the band. Um, so February through March or so, we accept video auditions. And it's just a video. They can take it on their phone. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a studio-quality recording. And then we'll view it, and we'll rank everyone. You know, we kind of we have, a, we have a, a diamond system. Five diamonds are the, the top recruits, right? If they got five diamonds, five stars, whatever you want to call it, um, we want them. Really, we would love to have them in the band. Um, there is still a... a, a, a training week component where they come to campus and they have to do another audition. We call that a placement audition. Then that's how we determine our performance blocks. And we do have some alternates that we use for the season that go in and out. And there's a whole system for that. But when we were making that decision to kind of go from, you know, music and marching auditions to just music to determine membership in the band, um, we, we kind of looked at the, those years leading up to it and said, look, we're making these decisions generally basically how they play. Um, the marching component often just kind of set who was in the block and who wasn't in the block in a lot of ways. But if they couldn't play, we didn't, we didn't want them. So we, it's my belief that I can basically teach anybody how to do what we do um, eventually. McKenna Jones, a trombone player from Pickaway County near Columbus, wanted to join the 110 since she started playing at 10 years old, just like her parents. She remembers finally getting her acceptance to the band the spring semester of her senior year. I remember finding out that I was going to be in when I got an email saying that, like, hey, you're in. And I was extremely excited. I had all my friends around me because I got it in the middle of the school day, my senior year, in a study hall. And my friends knew that 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 I was waiting on that. And everyone was screaming and yelling for me. And I told my high school band director she was so excited uh, like starting practices as a freshman, that was just a very surreal experience for me. Like, wow, I've, this is something I've wanted for so many years and I'm actually here. Now, after finding out you're in the band, you come to campus the week before classes for band camp, similar to when Ohorn and Romero were in the band, except without the make or break audition at the end. Camp week helps members get oriented to the style and determines placement in the pregame, postgame, and halftime marching blocks. Bailey Buell, a fourth-year trumpet player, also had 110 alumni in her family who inspired her to join. In addition to having band family members, Buell's high school band had a similar style to the 110, giving her an idea of what to anticipate. 
I admire them so much. People that come in from a core style band or whatever style that they did before, uh, I admire those people so much that can come in and learn something completely different because it's it's very, very difficult and we hold ourselves to a very high standard. Um, so I would say that I was lucky when I first came in. I kind of knew what to expect, um, but I still humbled myself for sure um, because it, it is still scary. You're coming and you don't know anybody. Um, of course, things are different than they're going to be in high school no matter how similar they were. After a few days, the new members integrate with the old men, as the senior members of the band have been called for decades. It's a symbolic tradition, the new and old members lining up on opposite sides of the field, mimicking drills and eventually merging together to form one block. It's, it's very weird because they put us in Walter Fieldhouse, and then on one side of the field, you've got all the new members lined up, and on the other side, you have all the current members. And it's like completely silent, and uh, counts are called off, and then the two groups march, like march their blocks into each other. And as, um, I remember feeling very intimidated because there's these all these kids that are older than me, or sometimes even like taller or bigger than me, where I feel like, wow, I really feel out of my element right here, but this is where I kind of belong, I guess. And I felt so good after that, of celebrating like wow i'm in like this is like this is it i'm here a quick turnaround before the first performance of the season calls for hard work from the band members the 110 practices an hour and a half every evening monday through friday as a whole however additional sectional practices occur outside of normal practice which although not mandatory most members attend it's not a required component of our students we don't we can't and will not require that for them but most of them do it because it makes them Stronger as a section, it makes them play better. Um, it just helps them memorization-wise because we do memorize all our music, whether it's on the field or in the yeah. stands. Everything is memorized. So, you know, throughout the course of the year, we're, we're memorizing, you know, from 30 to 40 songs, depending on the year, uh, plus all the stand shorts and things like that. I mean, it's a lot of music to memorize. And, and so, especially early on in the year, it's really important to, to do those. On Thursdays after normal practice, the band has Convo, taking its name after the Convocation Center where the practice used to be held. Convo is a choreography-centered rehearsal where members learn halftime dances and sometimes fine-tune music before a Saturday show. On the day of a show, members may need to be up as early as 8 or 9 a.m. for an afternoon game to practice, perform pregame, and of course, do halftime and postgame shows. Boyer said they try to keep on a consistent schedule of learning music and choreography before a show, but sometimes they may have less than a week turnover to learn a new performance. So in a perfect world, we have two weeks. Um, you know, like we do a Saturday game on the next Monday, we start the next show and we have a two week cycle that in a perfect world. We do a new home game, new uh, halftime show for every home game, yeah. at least the first five. We end up usually with six home games every year. Uh, the sixth game, we always bring back a show, kind of a best of maybe hodgepodge, put stuff together. The two week cycle is our ideal thing. It, it's it's the perfect kind of arc for us to learn new music, learn new choreography, get it polished up, and we're hitting that pinnacle right at the time of performance. Mm -hmm. But then again, we have sometimes where we have a game on Saturday and we turn on have a, a game the following Saturday, and we have less than a week to learn an entire new show. Um, and sometimes we can't get a head start. Sometimes we can't cross over, right, can overlap shows just because either we don't have the time or we don't have the music yet or whatever it's going to be. So sometimes it's a it's a quick turnaround. And, and that, those are the weeks that sometimes are more stressful, you know, whatever it can be to help us 
have an efficient week and a, and a productive week and an execute a show on the Saturday that's still up to our standards. Like we never want to have a show that is a complete like, well, that was terrible. We never want to see that again. Right. We, we don't want that. We don't, our fans don't deserve it. Our students don't deserve it. So we always try and, and, and make it to where we can have a successful week. With the dazzling routines that spectators see at games, I assumed there had to be some sort of professional choreographer working with the team. But I was stunned to learn that it's up to students called dance commanders to plan the performances. Bailey was a dance commander her junior year, along with three other band members. So in past years, at least in all my experience, there's been four dance commanders and they'll typically have one head dance commander that kind of facilitates that um, collaboration between the four. Um, and essentially how it works is, you know, every time we have a new show, we'll get a new dance break and we're given the, you know, the audio recording to that dance break and basically given free reign to figure out, um, wow. figure out a dance routine for that. It's quite a lot of, quite a lot of choreography that you got to figure out, especially when you have several of those, you know, five or six a year. It, it's a very dynamic position because, you know, you have to <clears throat> be good at choreography, be able to come up with it and do it well, um, but you also have to teach it. And, and that's one of the diff most difficult things is like finding a way, you know, really good dancers, they can just do it and show it. But like it, it takes another kind of person to be able to like explain it, especially to people that don't know how to dance. And you just really, really dumb it down in a way that everybody can kind of understand it and, and learn it efficiently. So yeah, that position is very, very time intensive. You know, spending, especially on a week that you're, you're coming up with a new dance routine. It's, it can be like, we had times where it was eight hours outside of practice in a week, so. Olhorn was also on the dance committee during his years with the band. The last two years, I was a dance committee chairman, and but when we developed dances, we, we would get a drum break on Tuesday night, and anybody was was welcome to come in and provide ideas to make up the dance, and we'd stay there for three to five hours, seven hours, however long it took, and we'd make up the dance, and then we would teach it to the band on Thursday, and that was my job as dance committee chairman. I would like go in front of the band and teach them the steps. Her senior year, Bailey was selected for another important band leadership position, the field commander. The field commander, similar to a drum major for many bands, is the highest student position on the field, and Bailey helped lead the 110 through its 2022 season. Um, I like to think of it kind of as the liaison between the band. You know, there's a bunch of us. There's 200, there was... 225 this past year. Um, so you kind of serve in a way between as the liaison between the band and the directors. Um, if there's any issues in that way, uh, you kind of resolve through me. Um, but more importantly, my role is kind of at the beginning of practices, I will always prepare a lesson plan in a way uh, where we will go through what we call our fundamentals, which are basically exactly how they sound. It's kind of our baseline for our marching style. Um, so we have a couple of standard exercises that we'll go through every day. Um, but when, as we go through new drills every week for new shows, um, we have new techniques to learn. And I'm kind of spearheaded, spearhead doing that, um, learning those new lessons. Um, as well as that, you know, beginning the, or leading the band at the beginning of practice, um, I'm also kind of charged with being the main, like, motivator and giving inspiration to the band. Aaron Romero, the percussion player from Chillicothe, also served in the field commander role and testified to its demands. Because it was, it was incredibly stressful. Um, yeah. You couldn't, or, I'm not, again, I'm speaking for me, you'll have to ask other field commanders, I couldn't relax. Because it was, you know, 
for me, I felt the responsibility, my name's on it. And I remember getting into a very, very heated argument with one of my closest friends because he didn't agree with a decision that we made for opening day. It was excruciatingly hot opening day. And after pregame, we had people that were passing out and literally had to go to the ER. And the trainers were not going to let us do halftime. I'm like, that's just going to crush us. And so I proposed the compromise of marching without our hats and gloves, sacrilegious type stuff. But it's either that or not perform. Got a lot of, got some pretty uh, explicit feedback. But even in the face of extreme weather, stress, and other difficulty, band members march on. Every band member, past or present that I spoke with, testified to the passion among the students in the 110 for what they were doing and for each other. Among 225 students, the unity and cohesion of the band is fascinating. In next episode, we'll learn more about the traditions that band members have all experienced and how some have had to evolve with time. If you like this podcast, be sure to check us out on social media at Halftime Heroes Podcast for additional content and behind the scenes and share us with your friends. Do you like D&D? Well, we don't play that. Mm -hmm. No. Do you want to listen to hundreds of hours of people playing the same group of characters? We don't do that either. Why would we do no, that? No, we don't yeah. do that. Welcome to Tabletop Clown Society. This is a show where each episode is a new adventure with new characters in a new indie tabletop role-playing game system where anything can happen. Don't worry if you've never played the game before. Neither have we. We've sent the dragon home and the dungeon is closed for maintenance. So we hope that instead you will join us every other Wednesday at the circus. Honk. The honk wasn't in the script, but you're getting it anyway.